Hello everybody, and welcome to a new episode of Gaming in the Wild, a video games podcast about games from the artistic side of the tracks, from indie to AAA. My name's John, I'm your host, and this week in Reykjavik it's a, a snowy Sunday evening as I'm recording this. Uh, there is wind blowing outside, it's dark still, it's still the winter, but the days are slowly getting lighter, we can see the other side of the winter. Um, as we're past the equinox now, the days are getting brighter, slowly but surely. Uh, but we've got a bit of an Omicron spike out here in Iceland at the minute, as I think everywhere does. And so me being quite careful as I am, I have mostly been staying in over the last week, staying home, uh, trying to flatten out the curve and all of that stuff. Watching the news a little bit, but but playing a lot of games actually, just resigned to it at this point. I've gotten used to a quiet home lifestyle and just trying to make the best out of it. And I think for gamers, um, this period, even though it's been difficult and strange, it's given us a lot of time to indulge in uh, the hobby that we all love so much. So I've been doing that over the last week. I've actually played quite a few games, tried out a lot of new games. And so I've got a lot to talk about. Uh, this episode. The main game that I'm going to review is a game that has been on my radar for a while uh, because it was recommended by a listener um, ages ago and so I put it on my wish list but it came to Game Pass before um, before I bought it. Um, it's The Pedestrian. It's a really interesting puzzle game. There's nothing else quite like it. Very very interesting game. Very unique game. Um, so I'm going to be talking about that one as the the headliner, the featured review of this podcast. But before I do that, I'm going to run through a whole load of other stuff that I played. Um, across all of my systems, actually, there's been a lot of good stuff coming to Game Pass. It started off incredibly well this year. Uh, Mass Effect, uh, Mass Effect, Mass Effect Legendary Edition um, has landed on Game Pass. That's another game that was on my on my PlayStation wish list and I hadn't got around to buying yet. And I've never played the Mass Effect games, um, something that uh, Brad was a bit outraged to hear on on one of the year-end podcasts. Um, but that came at a time when I wasn't playing, at least not on Xbox. And so Mass Effect kind of passed me by um, as a series. I'd never played them before. Of course, I've heard of them. I've heard all about them. I've heard about their impact on RPGs. I've heard about their approach to storytelling. Um, and so I've been interested to try Mass Effect, and the Legendary Edition landed on Game Pass at just the right time. Um, so I've played a couple of sessions of it, I'm probably two or three hours into Mass Effect 1. Um, I really enjoyed the opening mission actually, this kind of interesting melding of third-person shooting with a cover-based system, where you crouch and you have your back to the wall, and you pop your head up over the parapet and you can switch between sniper weapons, different weapons. It's, it's a shooter, basically. Um, but I quite enjoyed the strategic nature of that opening mission where you're using cover. You have a party of uh, extra AI allies that come along with you and they, they change and vary throughout the game. And then the action is interspersed by a story. In the first mission, you are landing on a, a planet that has been invaded and you're finding survivors, you're finding the enemies that have uh, carried out this invasion and you're trying to recover a mysterious artifact 
Um, and the intrigue develops pretty quickly, actually. It's, it's a political intrigue game, um, and you yourself are drawn into it quite rapidly. So after that first mission, you are whipped off to the Citadel, which is a huge kind of city hub. Um, and I actually found this to be less fun. I wandered around the city hub for quite a while. There was a couple of uh, plot developments. You had to go and find people. But it's a bit labyrinthine. It's a bit confusingly designed. Um, and I felt like I was just wandering around doing fetch quests and stuff. Um, and fending off the occasional pretty random-feeling assassination attempt on my life. Um, and as someone that has no nostalgia for these games at all, I'm really coming to them fresh. Um, and it does it does feel like a mechanically and structurally quite a dated game in some ways, in the way that it directs you around, the way that it pushes you from uh, mission to mission. But the, the story is intriguing, and I'm looking forward to trying out the shooting again. So this is definitely a series that I'm going to keep chipping away at, and I'm going to see if I can get into it. I want to get into it. I want the, the Mass Effect experience that so many people treasure. I want to find out what makes this, uh, this series tick. So it's a game that I think I'm going to play like an hour at a time, and just uh, every few days, and just try and chip away at it. But the big news on Game Pass, you'd think it would be Mass Effect, but actually, they dropped a whole load of indies as well. Uh, the Pedestrian is one of them, I'll talk about that later. But the other one, and this is the one that really lit up the, uh, the podcast's Discord server, where we all just chat about games all the time, it's an indie game that just came out of absolutely nowhere called Nobody Saves the World. Um, and this is a really, really interesting game. I, I sat down to try it. Um, I will often sit down, play a game for 10 minutes, and then move on to something else just to get a little flavour of what the game is like. But Nobody Saves the World, I sat down to play it, and then I kind of came out of a trance about three hours later, and I had completed the the first three dungeons and opened up the map. Um, and this game just really grabbed me right from the off. It's very, very cleverly designed. It's very slick as you get into it. Um, and it presents like a Zelda-like game with um, an overworld map, with dungeons, with characters that will talk to you and give you little missions to do. Um, so it's it looks like a Zelda-like, but it's kind of not really. Um, it's more like a dungeon crawler. Um, there is melee combat with a, a twin-stick shooter kind of vibe to it. Um, with mobs of enemies that will come at you, and uh, wave combat arenas that you have to get through uh, quite regularly, both in the overworld and in the dungeons. Um, so it's all action all the time. Um, it also reminded me in a strange way of the way that Forza Horizon has this amazing progression where anything that you do in the Forza world is making you earn stuff, like your experience points are going up. You are always accomplishing something. So you just run around in Forza Horizon 5 and the numbers are going up. You're getting new cars, new you know, new challenges, new story. And Nobody Saves the World is like that. Everything you do seems to be giving you either money as you're like swiping away bushes in that classic Zelda style or taking out waves of enemies or finding secrets. You get loads and loads of missions which you can check by just holding down the the left button, uh, the left shoulder button, uh, and your missions are constantly being comp completed. There's one that's like kill 20 enemies, 
that then turns into kill 50 enemies, that then turns into kill 20 enemies with your bow and arrow, which then turns into kill 50 enemies with a poison bow and arrow. And so you're constantly completing missions all the time and getting stars in return. The stars act as keys, so you give, you find dungeons that have like a 20-star door. So you need to have completed 20 missions to enter that dungeon. And the whole thing feels like a very, very cleverly designed, almost kind of gacha style, or or I don't know what. There's like a, a compelling, compulsive, addictive framework in this game where you're constantly achieving, and then you're constantly being uh, teased with further achievements. Um, and the real ingenious thing about this game is that there is a character switching mechanic. So you start as someone called Nobody, just a little white baby creature, um, but soon enough you manage to attain new forms. You can turn into a rat um, to escape from a cell, and you can use little tunnels through the walls, and your rat can gnaw enemies and kill them. And then after you've gotten a certain amount of XP as the rat... You can then transform into a soldier, an archer, a horse, a wizard. And as you're progressing, you're unlocking more forms. And you can switch between them at any time. They all have different abilities. They all have different uh, types of attack, whether it's magic or darkness or sharp weapons or blunt objects. And certain enemies can only be killed by a certain type of attack. So you're switching fluidly between your different forms. And the game does a great job of making you use new forms because it would be very easy to just play the whole game as the rat, which is very fast moving, very small, um, very convenient. And then the soldier is obviously very slow because he's wearing armor. And then you have a horse that can run fast, but is kind of crappy at attacks because it can only kick backwards. Um, But challenges will be presented to you where you have to use all of these different forms. So this is a great game. I think I'm going to be talking more about it in the future. Um, That's Nobody Saves the World. But it wasn't all Game Pass for me uh, in the last week. I also tried out a few games that I've been meaning to get to over on the PlayStation. I tried out Minute of Islands. This is a an interesting 2D platformer that caught my eye because of the wonderful graphical art style, the illustrated art style. It's by a developer called Studio Fizbin, and it's published by Mixed Vision. Um, it's on all systems. I'm playing it on a PS5. It runs perfectly. It has a 7 out of 10 on Metacritic, um, and my my personal experience of it bears that out a little, and the jury is still out on this game for me a little. So it's a 2D puzzle platformer. You're running from left to right, you're jumping between platforms, pulling levers, going up and down in elevators, um, and then you find occasional dungeons where you have to solve puzzles. And it looks absolutely gorgeous. Um, there is so much detail in the uh, in the landscapes of these different islands that you travel between. Um, it's very colourful. It has an Adventure Time feel. It's it's slick. It's beautiful. It's like playing a comic book. Um, it's just gorgeous to look at. Um, it has an an okay story. Um, you are the guardian of a machine 
that is run by four giants, an underground machine. And this machine takes pollen out of the air, toxic pollen, um, that allows people to breathe, basically. So if this machine breaks down, then pollen starts to overtake the environment and it starts to kill all the wildlife. It's like pollution. Um, and on the, the morning where this game begins, the giants who run the machine have all been stricken all at the same time by different maladies. And one giant breaking down would be something that your character could handle, but all four breaking down means that the world is filling with pollen. Um, and so you travel between different islands. Each one has a dungeon with a giant in it. You have to connect circuits to make them have power again. Um, and then off you go through the story. Um, which is all kind of, you know, basic video game stuff. Um, but unfortunately, there's, there's quite a lot wrong with this game. Um, the controls are very sluggish. Your character moves painfully slowly. Um, they're, they're kind of over-animated in that, that OG Prince of Persia way, where you'll find yourself waiting for animations to finish a lot. For example, there are sometimes crawl spaces, and when you push to go into a crawl space, your character will look in, blink a couple of times, bend down, squeeze themselves in, and then the crawling animation begins. This takes about five seconds, which is cute the first time, less cute the second time, boring the third time, and just flat out irritating and tedious on the fourth. Um, there is also an animation for leaving a crawl space where they pat down their clothes to get the dust off. So you've just spent 10 seconds just sitting, looking at the screen, to call, crawl through a two-meter tunnel. Um, and there is a lot of that. There is a lot of waiting. There's a lot of waiting for animations to finish. When you um, collect these little spirits that are floating around, you get your reward is a few lines of story, which is read out in a, a very flat, um, unexcited-seeming voiceover narration. And whilst the narrator is talking, you just have to sit and look at the screen. So 10, 20 seconds, you can't move. You're frozen in place you're waiting. Um, so the interactivity part of this game feels miscalculated. Um, th there's a constant waiting period and I found myself really disconnecting from the game experience because a lot of the time I just wasn't in control of what was happening on screen. Everything seemed to take too long. Uh, the movement felt bad and I'm a big fan of slick movement. If it's fun to move through a game world, that's half the battle won. And moving through this game world is, is kind of a miserable experience. Um, there are points at which you're running left to right, and I was checking my phone with my right hand because there was nothing to do. You're just running. And I guess you're supposed to be looking at the, the wonderful artwork, but, you know, um, it looks great, but it doesn't look so great that I'm, I'm transfixed um, to the point at which minimal interactivity is going to keep me engaged. So, um, I think I'm about two-thirds of the way through this game. It's only four or five hours long. I, I think I will try and push on through just to resolve the story, to see credits. Um, but I'm, I'm not enjoying myself that much. It's nice to look at. Um, I want to get the machine working again and just polish this one off. For me, it would probably be a five or a six out of ten, just because of the, the gameplay failings. Uh, that's Minute of Islands. And I also finally got around this week to playing a little bit of Assassin's Creed Valhalla. 
Um, if you've been listening to the show for a while, you'll know that I played through Assassin's Creed Odyssey last year, and I had mixed feelings about it. I loved the open world. I loved the depiction of Greece. The artwork was beautiful. There's lots to like about Assassin's Creed's new open world formula, and Valhalla offers a Viking take on, on that game. It's absolutely beautiful to look at. You'll quickly find yourself wading through volumetric snow that makes uh, beautiful trails so you can see where you've been. You'll find yourself climbing mountains in pink sunsets with long shadows, running through forests, uh, finding Viking settlements with long houses with carved wooden roofs and horns. Um, you'll get access to a longboat. You will sail between different places. It's absolutely beautiful to look at. It's just a joy to look at. Um, on PlayStation 5, running at 60 frames a second in 4K, it's it's notably gorgeous to look at. Um, and that that's fun, you know. And Assassin's Creed is also good at movement. You know, it's the opposite of Minute of Islands. Uh, you can climb on anything. It's a post-Breath of the Wild climbing system which gives you a, a great sense of freedom. It doesn't even have endurance like Breath of the Wild does, so you really are free to just climb anywhere. Um, the combat is okay. You have a light attack, a heavy attack, parry and dodge. It is what it is. Um, you can lock onto enemies. Um, and the innovation in combat here is is boat raids, Viking style. There is no uh, naval combat, obviously, because... Viking longboats um, don't have cannons or anything like that. They're just for, for travel. Um, but when you do a raid, you can see an enemy camp in front of you. The first one that I did was very memorable. It was nighttime, and we closed in on this enemy camp. We could see the torches burning, could see guards on towers. Um, and I hit the button to raid, and the horn sounded. The Vikings started screaming, and the boat ran up onto the beach, and all of my Vikings charged into this camp, um, I was using my bow and arrow to use uh, flame barrels that set buildings on fire. And the whole thing just had this amazing atmosphere um, of a real Viking raid. But I quickly noticed some odd stuff that snapped me out of this quite brilliant moment. Um, when Vikings fight enemies, your Vikings, they, they, just, they just swing at each other. They club each other. Um, they are slugging away at each other with blood flying. And they never die. Um, so it just really snapped me out of the moment. Um, you have to intervene, you have to kill the enemies. And so the Vikings are just these kind of automaton extras, um, which really sapped the life out of what was a pretty good mechanic, I would say. Um, and there was lots more AI problems too. The Vikings were running against walls, um, trying to get to an enemy that was up on a rampart, when there was a ladder right next to them, the AI wasn't clever enough to use a ladder. And up on the rampart, the enemy was just standing there dumbly because the Viking was out of their line of sight, not shooting their bow and arrow. Um, and I just walked up and killed them and they didn't fight back. Um, and, and honestly, the AI in Assassin's Creed Valhalla is trash. Um, it's just pure trash. They are stupid. They don't know how to walk around things. They don't know how to do anything. They are, they are painful to watch, and it really snaps, snaps you out of the game. Um, there's a lot of other Ubisoft oddness in the game too. For example, if you walk past someone from two meters away, they will leap back and gasp as if you've just stamped on their foot. Uh, most NPCs have nothing to say, so it stops being an immersive world and starts being like a, a virtual theme park 
full of these automatons that have nothing to do or say that are just there as window dressing. So it doesn't feel alive. It feels kind of dead, which is very sad for a huge, beautiful open world like this with nature, um, with a great story to get your teeth into, with some good combat mechanics. Um, so, you know, it is what it is. It's uh, it's another Assassin's Creed game. Um, I'm, I'm sad that they haven't fixed some of the obvious flaws of Odyssey, but after I had gotten over the... Uh, that that first realization that it was another Assassin's Creed game with all of the flaws that that entails, I did actually start to lower my expectations. And once I'd lowered my expectations, I started having a good time. You can just run around, uh, do quests, do side missions. It's pretty. It's not a classic. It's not a, a real keeper, but it is a decent game. And so I'm going to continue playing um, it's kind of brainless, so you can just play through it uh, without concentrating fully and just enjoy the scenery, uh, because that's pretty much all it has to offer. I will talk about this game again. I've got a feeling that I'm going to slowly play my way through it, um, and I will tell you um, how that playthrough goes. That's Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Um, and before I talk about The Pedestrian, I will briefly mention that this show is patron-supported. If you would like to support this podcast and become part of the, the community of listeners, you can do so at patreon.com slash gaminginthewild for as little as a dollar a month or three or five or euros or pounds or whatever your local currency is. You can chip in a little bit of cash. It helps me buy the music that I put on the podcast. It helps me get games to cover, upgrade my equipment. And most of all, it lets me know that people out there appreciate what I'm doing and they enjoy the show. Um, and the Discord is a great place too. Um, all of the patrons of the show come on there and talk. We share our Wordle, Wordles of the day. We share new games that we're playing. We talk about new arrivals on Game Pass. Uh, we talk about our consoles and all of the different stuff that we're trying. It's a really great, lively little community of which you are welcome to come and be a part. It's patreon.com slash gaminginthewild if that's of interest to you. And with all of that said, let's move on and talk about the featured game of the episode, The Pedestrian. This is a great little game. This is a real gem. Um, I'm really happy that The Pedestrian came onto Game Pass. It's a perfect Game Pass game. It takes four hours to play, and I finished it in two sittings. Um, it was very gripping. Um, I really couldn't look away from it. Um, it was made in 2017. It was developed and published by Skookum Arts. The music is by Logan Hayes. It's a really cool orchestral score with um, a dash of jazz in it as well. It has an 83 on uh, Metacritic, with a user score of 6.8, which I find really surprising. Um, I would actually score that game, this game, a little higher than that, personally. Uh, the summary is, The Pedestrian is a 2.5D puzzle platformer themed around the public sign system. You play as a 2D character moving through signs in a dynamic 3D world. You progress through the game by rearranging and connecting public signs to explore and advance through each environment. And my take on what this game is, is The Pedestrian is a brilliantly conceived puzzle game in which you control a stickman through the signage of a lively, bustling 3D city. 
It's cinematic in scope, with immaculately designed logic puzzles that are a joy to solve. Um, and this game is something that I haven't seen before. Um, it is a 2D puzzle game in which you control a stickman who is running around and jumping and solving puzzles on flat surfaces, like signs, like subway signs, like information signs, like the pages of a book, like uh, a flat TV screen. Um, and there is an exit and an entrance on each one. You move into a new puzzle, you solve it by finding keys, by flicking switches, by avoiding obstacles and overcoming obstacles. You leave through the exit of the screen and then the camera will sweep through the city. So you'll see glimpses of a, a subway system or the rooftops or an office building or a building site. Um, and this beautiful score will be playing all the time. This, this, this lively, New Yorkan orchestral score that brings the whole city to life. And then the camera will arrive at the next screen that you have to solve. And so as you solve each screen, you're actually moving through a brilliantly realized uh, 3D rendered cityscape. Um, despite the fact that it's a 2D puzzle game, it has a, a, a 3D cinematic scope. And that's a combination that I haven't seen before. It's very, very clever. It's just a great idea, and they have executed it perfectly. Um, so whilst this is a 2D puzzle game, it just has a constant sense of movement and vitality and motion and place that really keeps the game ticking. Um, the puzzles are brilliant too. I mean, this is a puzzle game, and so it lives or dies on the strength of the puzzles. And your little stick man uh, will have to do all kinds of things to get through each screen. There are switches that will turn on and off trampolines, turn on and off lasers that will kill you. Um, and it gets more complicated very gradually in a really manageable feeling way. Like the first screens just uh, teach you the mechanics. But before long, there are multiple panels that you can rearrange and connect in different ways. So you have to connect ladders, you have to connect doors but you can only connect doors that are adjacent to the screen that you're on, so you have to arrange the screens. A little bit like organizing pieces of paper on a pin board. Um, so you have to arrange the screens, you have to figure out your route through many different puzzles with interlocking parts. Um, and it sounds like the kind of puzzle game that could lead to dead ends and occasional frustration, but the puzzles in The Pedestrian are immaculately designed. Um, I'm someone that does enjoy a good puzzle game, but I'm also someone that is quite easily frustrated if I'm getting stuck. And I never got stuck in the pedestrian. Um, the puzzles are just so well done that if you look at them for long enough, and it's fun to look at them, um, then the solution will slowly reveal itself. There is a linearity to these puzzles there. If you, if you start the puzzle, if you just throw yourself in, it might look overwhelming, but if you just start arranging the panels, start flicking switches, start trying to identify what the goal is. Is the goal to get a key? Is the goal to collect an object? Um, and work your way towards that goal step by step, and you will find that these these dizzying puzzles just start to slot into place in the most satisfying way. Um, and I really flew through this game. I played it in two sittings. 
I played two hours yesterday, I played two hours today, and I had a whale of a time, honestly, I was just smiling throughout this game. Um, it's very fun that, for example, if you're moving through a screen that ends up in a a panel, on the, like a physical panel in the, the 3D world that you're looking at, with buttons on it, and you're, you're not sure what it does exactly, but you carry out a puzzle in the screen that then connects the circuit in the real world, and suddenly you realise that you're in an elevator, and it's now going up. And then when the elevator gets to the top, the door opens in the screen, um, and you move onwards into wherever you're going next. So there is a very clever interconnection of the physical world that you're going through, and the 2D puzzle panels that you're solving. Um, so this was a this was a wonderful game. It's it's honestly it's the perfect Game Pass game. Um, I had had it on my PlayStation wish list. I think it's eighteen quid or something like that. And I was thinking, I, I don't know if I want to pay twenty pounds for this game. It's a short experience. It feels like a roll of the dice, whether I'm going to like it or not. But it is a game that had been recommended to me and was on my mind. And the fact that it came onto Game Pass, much like The Gunk, which I reviewed a couple of episodes ago, it's a short, discreet, immaculately designed experience that you can play through in a weekend. And I feel like Game Pass is the perfect place for those kind of games, much more so than like a you know a hundred hour game that's going to take you six months to work your way through, like Mass Effect, because you know games come and go on Game Pass. Um, and so short games are perfect. You finish it, and then when it leaves the service, you're not halfway through, and you're like, oh shit, it's leaving. I better try and finish this, or then I have to buy it. If it's a four hour game, you just work your way through it, you enjoy it, you consume it, and then you finish it, you uninstall it, it goes off Game Pass, and you, you're getting value out of that subscription. So I'm really happy that The Pedestrian came to Game Pass. I'm, I'm really happy with my experience of this game. It's, it's um, something that's kind of hard to explain, but if you see it on a screen, you will instantly understand what this game is all about. It's very slick, it's very ingenious, it's immaculately planned. Um, and as you move through the game, I think one of my favorite experiences was moving through an office, a factory in a subway, and it was all very dark and shadowy. And the music was kind of muted, um, suitably muted. But then eventually you come out into the daylight and you start to see the city around you. You see cars in the streets, you see changing traffic lights, you see the skyline and neon signs all around you and you're moving rapidly from screen to screen. It takes a couple of minutes to finish a screen. Um, and the game just really kind of came to life. It was a little bit like New Donk City in a Mario Odyssey. Um, just a really lively city that is full of the joy of somewhere like New York. And that's quite a feat in a, in a 2D puzzle game like this one. And amazingly for me, as someone that does struggle a little bit with puzzle games despite enjoying them an awful lot, um, I only checked a guide once in this whole playthrough. Um, considering that there are hundreds of puzzles that you have to solve, that feels like a minor miracle, or at least a testament to the, the quality of the puzzle design. Um, and it was right at the end, there is a twist in the final level that I won't spoil here. Um, but this game throughout my playtime 
I found that it introduced new mechanics very carefully. Like there was always a screen that would tell you what something new would do. For example, there is um, paint is introduced at some point in the game, which allows you to freeze a screen and to change the to reroute the circuit of the puzzle without losing your place and having to start again. Um, and it's it's harder to explain than it is. If you see it on a screen, you'll understand it immediately. But the game does a, a wonderful job of introducing new elements. But that final puzzle had a kind of a crossover element that felt, I felt very lost in it all of a sudden. I really think that it's like this, this game was just like chariots of fire charging through a marathon in perfect form. And then we got to the, the very finish line and it stumbled, tripped over the finish line, still won the gold, but it was kind of lying in a heap when it did so. So that final level, I had to check a, a guide and that, that bummed me out a little bit. I was like, just at the final level, you could have just eased me into that, that new mechanic just a little bit more. And I think I would have given this game like a 10 out of 10. Um, it's short, it's immaculate, it does everything that it wants to do to perfection. I really recommend it, especially if you have Game Pass, but it is available on other formats too. If you're not an Xbox, Xbox player, you can get it on PlayStation, you can get it on Steam. I really recommend it. That's The Pedestrian. So that's our episode. I hope you enjoyed hearing about all of those games. I hope you enjoyed hearing about Assassin's Creed Valhalla, Minute of Islands. Um, what else did I even talk about? I'm to scroll back here. Uh, Mass Effect Legendary Edition, Nobody Saves the World, and of course, The Pedestrian. This was a packed episode. Um, that's Omicron for you. I mean, you've got to make the best out of things, haven't you? And even if we are in a second swell of this pandemic or what feels like a third or fourth swell by now, it at least gives us time to indulge in our favorite hobby of gaming. Um, so I would love to hear what you guys have been playing. Um, if you've played any of the games I've talked about today, um, please come and let me know. Let's have a chat. Tell me what you're playing. Recommend me something. Tell me what your opinion of these games is. You can find me on Twitter at Gaming in the Wild. You can also join the Patreon for the show and talk to my, me and all of the other listeners of the show in our wonderful little Discord community. It's patreon.com slash gaminginthewild if you'd like to chip in a dollar a month. I will put a link to that in the show notes. Um, I'm also on Twitch. I'm also on YouTube. I occasionally upload uh, video versions of this show. If you're new to the show this episode, you can find uh, my Games of the Year 2021 has been uploaded to YouTube with footage of all of the games in question. Counter to what a lot of podcasts have been saying, I felt that 2021 was a fantastic year for games, especially for indie games. I think I played a couple of just stone-cold classics that came out in 2021. So I feel like the games media was a bit down on last year, but for me it was just a wonderful year for games. So you can find out about all of those games that I played in 2021 on YouTube or in the past episodes. Um, I also noticed that Spotify has allowed people to leave a rating on podcasts now. So if you click on the dot 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 
on the podcast's Spotify page, you can now give it a star rating. And when it gets enough ratings, it will appear higher in the search results and more people will find the show. Same on Apple devices. You can always leave a star rating or a review. I really appreciate anyone that does that. It helps other people find the show and it makes me feel good. It makes me feel good to know that people out there appreciate the show. So that's our episode. Thanks very much for listening. Take care of yourselves and each other. Bye-bye for now. Thank you.